Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. We want to thank Patriot Coolers for sponsoring the Kyle Serafin Show this month. I carried their first-generation tumbler on surveillance in a dozen states since 2017. Right now, you can use promo code KYLE to get 10% off and free shipping over $50. Now, we all want a hot or a cold beverage to stay that way, hot or cold. These days, I carry a 30-ounce tumbler for smoothies, and I have a 19-ounce coffee mug on my desk when I'm recording. If I'm out with my kids, I've got the one-gallon jug so I can refill their water bottles and keep them cool. Spring is upon us, and summer is coming soon. If you are in the market for a high-quality piece of outdoor gear that's going to last and support your values, please check out PatriotCoolers.com for either a hard or soft-sided cooler. If you're doing an RV trip, you're floating the river, making a long Costco run, or you're sitting on surveillance, check out PatriotCoolers.com. Your purchase is going to support our show and disabled vets. Patriot Coolers has given nearly $400,000 to updating the homes of post-9-11 disabled vets so that they can enjoy the liberty and freedom at home that they fought for over there. Again, use promo code KYLE for 10% off. And shipping over $50 is always free. Thanks for checking them out, y'all. Let's talk about the vaccine issue and let's what you've seen from your practice and what people have brought to your attention because you were out by the time this all got done, right? No, you, the back, I've had so many people with that who've had vaccine. The vaccine was never was never an issue for me or personally um, because I, I was actually at the World Trade Center when it collapsed. So my lungs were spent. So I, I had to take a vaccine. So it never really hit my my mental threshold as a deal because I, I mean, I, I retired from the bureau because I got COVID. I was sick um, for three months. I was, I was deathly ill. And, but then I, then after I started representing people who were, who, who had issues with vaccines, they all, they all had security clearance investigations going on and they all had misconduct investigations. And they, and it, it looked like that was, that had turned into a, a litmus test for people that were not loyal was the vaccine. It, it, was, it was scary because none, they, none of them in, in, in ones or twos, they didn't look, they all look different, but then all of a step back. And I, I mean, if, okay, I have 20 people call me in the course of a month or two months, and then half have, have um, security clearance or have um, vaccine issues. That's that's impossible. There weren't that many people that were refusing to take vaccines. I mean, there's 40,000 employees, 36, 40,000 employees in the bureau. Only a small percentage had any issues with the vaccine. Most 3, people had to take them. All of a sudden, they're they're high. They're 50. percent I mean, I only see what I see. So, right. My my sample is is um is it would not be an accurate total sample, but there shouldn't be that many people that have that had vaccine issues and then were being subject to security clearances. You would think, I'm gonna read you something here. I was looking this up while you were talking about it because it, it sparked this in my head. <clears throat> There's a member of our uh, whistleblower group, the member of our uh, sort of uh, unvaccinated, you know, whatever, Bureau of Pure Bloods. He worked for Sieges, he was a map up. And he got thrown out, security clearance, go <laughs> figure. And this is a statement that's in his investigative report that was attributed by uh, the interviewing agent to DAD Brian Griffith, who said the following. He wrote it down. He's not allowed to take this information out of the office. He was allowed to handwrite it. So he handwrote it and it wrote, quote, Chris's decision concerning the vaccine mandate to the extent that he could be removed from the FBI instead of getting vaccinated is a psychological condition concern. 
How do you feel about uh, DADs making psychological pronouncements on employees based on their cho- their personal medical choices? Is that is that within the realm of what the FBI is allowed to do? <laughs> have you ever heard of Doctor Doom? Have you ever heard of Doctor Doom? Doctor Doom? Doctor Doom? No. Okay. The, the, the FBI had a psychologist who was nicknamed Doctor Doom. Okay. They still have a doctor. They still have a psychologist that does. The, that if you if they think if, if an ASAC or an SAC wants to get someone out on a psychological, they'll schedule them. They'll write them up and send the health services and have the person scheduled for a psychiatric evaluation. And the psychiatric evaluation um, will be done, and then the psychiatrist will actually consult with FBI management to determine whether the person's nuts or not. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm not sure what FBI management. <laughs> has input into when you go to Dr. Doom, why would you have to call my ASAC to find out whether I'm crazy or not? You should be able to tell me, uh, do your evaluation. That's <laughs> incredible. Is that, how long has this been going on? How long has this been a thing? I, I, have, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have utter faith in what you're saying, by the way, because <laughs> I'm confident that that's the case because it's the, the Bureau. And I believe what you are saying about it implicitly, which is terrifying that that's a real thing. It's, no, it's a real thing. That, well, it used to be Doctor Doom was was out of out of Chicago, and he would and this doctor would literally do an evaluation. If you went to see Doctor Doom, I know it's from the New York office. Hey, how you doing? Oh, not I'm not doing well. What's going on? Well, you know, I have a problem with my wife, and they're sending me over to see Doctor Doom. <laughs> so, you know, be nice. Fly to Chicago, take the trip, go see him. He tells you you're not you're stressed out. You know you're going you're going to rubber gun swap for a week or two or a month, and then you're going back on the job. Was that a thing? A rubber gun swap? Rubber gun swap? Yeah, New York. What? Yes. Who, yeah. Who's the rubber gun squad? That's the people that lost their weapons. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, they're they're just you don't want to have a, you don't want to have them have a gun, or they're just stressed, or they actually were arrested or something that you know the domestic domestic issue you go on rubber gun squad okay this is the light duty squad this well w- when i was there it was actually the um the um it was the opc it was um at, it was it was an administrative where you would call in and you see the duty agent the duty agent wasn't a rotating job it was a bunch of people but that happened to be the best squad going because you could get a shift you never had to work auo so there were there were there were advantages for people to be on that squad. Now, but it also it masked the fact that some they had someone else who would go on the squad who had a problem, they could hide in there for a year and then or whatever months and not have a problem and answer some phones and then go back on the job after Dr. Doom gave them the okay. <laughs> they used to take people that were a problem. It looks like your video may have frozen a sec, but I'm sure it'll come back. Um they used to take people that were a problem in the bureau. They would stash you uh, in the in the Air Force. We used to talk about somebody would become a commander of a broom closet somewhere. Yes, they would. They'd make you the commander of the broom closet, and then you'd either stay there forever until you left, or you would fix your problems, whatever they were, and then they bring you back out. In New York, they do have that, but that's for that's for supervisors. Oh, you, you get you get to be in charge of if you if you're if supervisor, you're probably not going to the to. Um, to one of the administrative squad, you are going to go and be in charge of some closet somewhere doing I don't know, automobile automotive issues in New York. You can hide a supervisor and you have yeah. people, people have problems. I mean, here's a real life. Agents have problems. 
mm-hmm. all the time. Agents have problems. Being an FBI agent, I think they were saying when I, when I joined, it's the life expectancy of an agent who survived, um, who who went until he was 57, had a life expectancy of 57 and a half. <laughs> They, they go their whole life and then then God was good to them and then let them then relieve them of life. Hey, you, you win. You, you're done with the bureau. You can die now. <laughs> That's terrible. That's what, that, that, what, what they what they these told, are people that couldn't they couldn't leave the bureau. So there's two versions of that, right? There's some people that uh, left the bureau and they had, you know, th- their life was over. But there's other people that like they literally couldn't leave the bureau when they left the bureau. It wasn't that they left the bureau. The bureau left them because they yeah. were too old. Psycho- psychologically, they couldn't handle not having a firearm. They couldn't handle having a badge. I mean, well, people- you can do that if you don't live in New York. I just want to let all the people that are that you know any of the FBI agents that listen from the New York field office. If you lose your gun from the FBI, you can move to Texas. You can buy one in a grocery store from a guy who's buying bread and he's just selling one. So if you need to move to America, one the commute is never ninety miles unless you're just really wanting to be out there. But two. You can own guns in other places. You don't have to go through what Kurt did and become like a level 1100 uh, super sot and uh, FFL backgrounds. You can have guns in most of America. Well, <laughs> that's just that's just I mean, me. That's, 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 trying that's to be a guy Gallup, New Mexico. Let's go. Let's go over there. Gallup, New Mexico. Right. The work. Go to Gallup. Yeah, I know. But but for the agents there, the, 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 their spouses can't even leave their um, can't go to Walmart after 10 o'clock in the morning. Have you been to Gallup much? No, I saw. I read the email coming from the agent from Gallup who said it's not. It's nice. a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare after ten a.m. I can't. My wife can't go there. It was the, New York. The first the the first day I was when I was in New York. The first Christmas I got I I, I got there and I had an NYPD detectives. And the NYPD detectives looked at me and said, "We're not doing. You're brand new. I got one. I got one less than one year left. Here's the deal. I'm not arresting anyone unless we I, I unless it's a felony and I see it." And it's violent. That's it. So you can sit here on Christmas and we're going to just drive around and you can eat whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but we're not going to do that. We take a left and there is a guy with a knife holding a newspaper stand up. <laughs> He's holding a knife to the guy. Cop looks at me and like, this is you. Literally walks, stops the car, walks out, grabs the guy, grabs the knife cuffs the guy, drives him over to the um, World Trade Center, to the path, puts him on the subway to New Jersey, and sent him to New Jersey. He he, he, he extradited him to New Jersey. <laughs> and they're going... That's some old-school law enforcement back then. I'm like, okay, that's good. That's interesting. We're good with that. I'm, I'm okay with this. Learn yeah, no civil rights were violated uh, that you're aware of? No, no, he's perfectly fine. So he did tell the guy, look, if, at the end of it, if you come back to New York, I'm going to kill you. You know, if whatever you take that, but he was nice enough to let the guy go. And I'm not even sure if he had a hand, he had handcuffs on when he was walking him over to the path because the cop paid for the paid for the ticket to get on and go. He, <laughs> if you if you get caught with a felony in New York and that's your punishment, I'm <laughs> the guy's solid. Well, not not anymore. Today, he would have been better off being thrown into jail for like 11 and a half minutes where they could turn it back out with a sandwich and then he'd be good. It'd be like, oh, yeah, this is Giuliani's time. Yeah, Giuliani time. He was serious about crime. Not anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, no, but Eric- it was. Um, but yeah, no. So, I, so New York is New York is is different. And the stresses. The thing of it is, in New York, you're going to have at any given time, five to 10 percent of the people minimum to have major issues going on in their life. So if you have security division and internal investigations are just going after people willy nilly, that's a problem. 
because that's just more stress on these agents and if and, and mistakes are made. I mean, the best part, the best supervisor is somebody who has an agent who gets into trouble and, and, the, and the supervisor says, you got in trouble. Internal affairs is going to talk to you. Just keep doing your job. I don't care. I, I, you know, everyone's made mistakes. Move on with it and it's okay. You know, just, you know, just try not to do anything goofy before internal, before OPR gets done resolving your issue. And, right. and I mean, that that's the supervisor that you want in the FBI. That's the old school, though. That doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't we, burn your ass. All right. We got yes men now. <laughs> that's gone. No, there, there, there's still a few. There, I mean, it's, but, but the problem, I mean, the problem now is that the supervisors don't have the, the authority because you have supervisors that, that have less time on, you have supervisors that are younger. And, and when I, when I, when I was, when I was the agent, the, the supervisors were, were all coming close to retirement. I mean, there were guys who didn't want to be ASAC, so they were they were they were older. Now you have a bunch of a much younger people, and that's that is a problem. Am I frozen? No, 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 you're good. Um, yeah. I I want to know more about that. Um, so we used to have more senior people take on the role of supervisor, and now we've got people with as little as six years on, jumping into SSA roles. What yeah, what do you what? Seven years done. Seven years, and you're done, right? Yeah, and then you never touch a case again. And we got those people now running the bureau. Like a lot of the people at the top of the uh, of the you know the seventh floor is inhabited by people who haven't touched a case in 15, 17 years. They have it no do? idea how to do it. I mean, you have no idea how to do. It. I mean, that's the craziest part is that it, you shuffle people around and who don't understand what cases are, and you have supervisors who can't actually give. I mean, you have supervisors who are not experts in their field. In, mm -hmm. in, in, and I'll go back to New York. In New York, when you had the OC supervisor, that guy was the expert in OC. OC you know, is organized crime. Organized crime. He, mm -hmm. he was a national expert in organized crime. He knew he knew the organized crime um, families. He knew what the cases were. He was totally involved. That not, seems like what should be the default position for these kind of things. The, the, the biggest issue going on right now is all admin for supervisors. No, I know you're right. I just like, that's, that's the bureau I thought I was joining. And that's what I, and it's interesting to note that it did exist, that, it, that there was yeah. a time when people who were the best at the thing that they were doing were the ones who were running the show. Right. Is yeah. that what? That's the first five years of my career. <laughs> just the first five though. <laughs> and then you had 19 more where that was. After year six, I became a supervisor. So I was, <laughs> no, no the, I mean the first, the first five, I mean, Crazy enough, I got I got sent to New Orleans okay. after Katrina, and so I got called up, and they're like, "You were in New Orleans, Kurt, weren't you?" I'm like, "Yes." They're like you were there for as lost. I'm like, "Yes." So they already knew a lot about me from right that right then and there. This wasn't headquarters. This was someone in New York called me up and said, "You know a lot about." He goes, "So you speak Louisiana?" I'm like, "Well, it's the same language, but yeah, I know." I know Louisiana very well. I spent several years there. He goes, okay, you're going to New Orleans to deploy to New Orleans immediately as part of the rapid deployment team. He goes, because we want you down there to help rebuild the um, New Orleans Police Department. So I went there and I, I knew the National Guard people. I knew the military. I knew the police. I, I mean, I knew people in the police. So I, you know, that was a smart way of doing business. And they had me sure, down for two sense. days. When do, you, when do you think a phone call like that's made now? No, not at Never. all. Never. They told they told me they were flooding in, in Texas. They were going to deploy people to Texas. I'm from Texas. I'm a paramedic. I was like, I'm I'm willing and able to go. Never got no. that call. 
I mean, I would take the guys, I would, I would take the, hey, would you, how'd you like to do a January 6th case? Well, he goes, were you at the rally? Yeah, I was at the rally. Okay, you, you're a part of the investigation. That's, that's what they have done. They would take it, anyone who's at the rally and made them punish them by making them part of the investigation to do the rest of it. There, you got they your actually, cover for being there, and now you get to do the investigation. They actually did that to somebody. Do you know that? <laughs> do you want to hear the, like, the one yeah. of the worst stories? There's a guy named Mark Abraham. We're going to have him do one of these interviews, okay? He was a DEA agent. His brother's an FBI agent, not a WFO. They both were walking around on January 6th. No violence, no problems. Okay. Uh, Mark was terminated from the DEA. They are charging him with gun crimes for carrying a gun in the Capitol. His brother got scoped by the Bureau because he they were both unvaccinated at the time, I believe. I think that was the, the big issue. There we his, go. Brother, his brother got the vax, bent the knee. Gave the mea culpa's needed. The bureau scoped him, told him he used part of it. Like, you're all good. And his brother hasn't spoken to Mark. Mark is the guy that's going to be on our show from the DEA. Um, hasn't spoken to him since. This happened in 2021. So it's been over two years now. He hasn't heard from his brother because of this. Because the bureau got to him on that. And they they literally did that. They just put him on, you know, they scoped him and brought him in and said, oh, well, you were on duty retroactively. And now you're good, man. You know, ominous, ominous. But if you're like, if you're like, that's what happens, right? And you, I mean, and you're willing to you're willing to do that, that you're going to I mean, that's kind of the that message is sometimes delivered to people in the bureau and people that have an ethical that have an ethical way about them will not understand what the message is that they're yeah. they, give, they give you a chance to. You know, I mean, when you say bend the knee, I keep thinking of all the agents that bent the knee at the, um, at the rally in Washington, but it truly is that not. Happened. I know that happened too. Just, I know, just I know that's months earlier, you know. Yeah, it's true. It, mean, it means something in the bureau. That's what means of bending the knee in the bureau means that you uh, that you decided to to take a political stand by by yeah. The, you uh, well, you capitulated to whatever it was yeah. that was uh, the the current thing, and, and it turns out the current thing is always on the left right now, which is weird. What uh, historically the bureau is a pretty conservative organization. Would you agree? Oh no, do we freeze? Do we freeze? Do we freeze? Oh no, you're good. You were thinking. <laughs> no, I, no, no, it's. You, well, you did that thing like you do when you scare a lizard, and the lizard just sits like really still. Yeah, no, I, I, it's hard. It's hard because the the I mean the bureau always had politics, but the bureau was the third part. The bureau was was the the group that was outside of Democrat and Republican po politics. I mean, back in the good old days with Hoover, the bureau got funding because he knew things about all the representatives and, and, and senators, and so he was a political force. The bureau has always been a political force inside the federal government. It just never decided to take a Democrat or Republican Republican stance. I think that's a really, really uh, nuanced position. I don't know if I've heard it articulated that way before. You're saying like Hoover's goal was the bureau in and of itself. Like that was the yes. end. And so he had dirt on everybody, which everybody knows that he was kind of a gangster. Right. But he was using it to stay in the middle by I got something on everybody. So just keep letting me do the bureau. I just yes. want to keep running the bureau. And then he ran after, you know, homosexuals and commies or whatever he was, whatever he was fascinated with attacking. <laughs> he has some personal issues. We, we can all agree on that. Hey, we can agree on that. By the way, one of your, one of the guys from your uh, tenure in the bureau, I was, uh, and he was on our show. His name is Mark Kreider. And I, I gave his guys like a little tutorial because he's a sheriff now in Walla Walla in Washington state. Yes. So I went into the little space there and, um, you know, I, I got to see their, their substation and the, and the kind of the headquarters where he works out of. And he's got a picture of Hoover sitting over his right shoulder on the wall, which I found very curious. I know that was a thing 
historically that people kept pictures of uh, yeah. Jay Hoover, but he's got a like classic old school, you know, Hoover sitting on the desk kind of deal. I always thought Hoover was a weird looking dude to begin with. So that's not what I would put on my wall. And so I, I go to his, um, his number two, who is, uh, I'm trying to think what the rank is there, but it, it doesn't matter. He's the uh, chief, he's the chief criminal deputy. And I go, um, you know that uh, it's pretty weird to have a picture of Hoover on your wall like that. And he goes, yeah, he freaking loves the Bureau, man. He just loves having that Hoover picture. And I go, no, it's not so much that. I mean, I just wouldn't want to have like a transvestite sitting there looking over my shoulder all the time, whenever I'm, whatever I'm doing. And he goes, oh, that's funny. Why do you say that? <laughs> I go, I go, because J. Edgar Hoover was a transvestite. Well, you don't know old school Bureau. And he goes, he goes, are you being serious right now? And I go, yeah. And he goes, does Mark know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he does. And he goes, Sheriff Kreider knows that he's got a picture of a tranny on the wall. And I go, yeah, hundred percent. And so he sticks, he goes, I got to go tell him. I got to, I got to mess with him. And I'm like, yeah, you got to. So he sticks his head in and he goes, Hey, Sheriff, uh, it's weird that you got that tranny on the wall. And in and, and just like one second, it's like the incident he goes, he goes, that's a myth. That's a myth. Well, here, again, you know, here's the thing. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't about, matter. It's just funny. So what's, what's interesting about Hoover What's interesting about Hoover was that he had that he, he was a power unto himself. Yes. That he was that he was a myth when he I mean he was a myth when he was there. He was I mean Comey had Comey had um one news a magazine article the most powerful person in Washington. Hoover was the most powerful person in Washington, but he wasn't political. The bureau was the the bureau was the religion at that right. Point. And, and, and people is that good though? I mean, and that also sounds awful to me. That sounds atrocious. I understand that there's a huge reverence for him for like the like you say the good old days, like the guys. I'm not. I'm not sure if no. I'm not. Well, I'll tell you. I, I, the best, the funniest story I heard was I have a I had a guy down in um, Mississippi who had a, he had a letter of admonishment from from Hoover because he got rear-ended by someone. So Hoover personally wrote out <laughs> the letter of admonishment for being right. in a car accident was a when he was he was rear-ended. And then, uh, then, I mean, Hoover had Hoover had his problems, and until Hoover was terrible civil rights, good. But, but what's what's more dangerous now? Having a bureau that was insular, or having a bureau that will do will violate your civil rights, but will also provide it to a, a, one of the other political parties. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're both awful. I just feel like it's gotten more awful. But I, I, I always tell people, it's like, I, I, I think if we can't admit that there were sins that the FBI committed that were pretty atrocious, like in every decade, then we're not it, looking at the same history, right? What, the, um, uh, what, what, can you tell me what the, the name of the spy was? Can you look up the name of the spy that was in, um, that was, got caught in, in, in New York? Um, that I went down to Quantico? Yeah, the one that went down Quantico. What was his? What was his? Phil's gonna, Phil will find it for you. Phil, find, what's the name of the spot? The guy who he's he's is still it in Pitts. Pitts, that was it. Oh, uh, Pitts. Is it Earl Pitts? Earl Pitts. Okay, so Earl Pitts. Yeah. Earl Pitts was um he he was he he became started spying because of money. They weren't paying enough in New York, which is true. He went, <laughs> he went there. Went to, went to Quantico. They transferred to Quantico for a false flag. During the false flag. Explain to people what that is, because not everybody. I think a lot of people bandy that around and have no idea what a false flag is. But will you will you flesh that out? I was bandying around. I have no idea what false flag. Okay, so he was he was, <laughs> he was brought he was brought down to Quantico, um, for to to become an instructor because they need an instructor, and mm-hmm. they also wanted to keep track of him and they wanted to see what what he was doing, and he was reporting on other agents, some of who I who, who I knew. 
that he was he was providing information. But one of the people that he so he went that pitch went down there and he met one of the instructors and the instructor's name I well funniest guy the instructor in Quantico and I think his first name was Chase and Chase would call up pits every day and make and pretend to be Louis Freight and make jokes about what was going on, not knowing that Pitts was under investigation. So Pitts had all of the spying going on against him. And meanwhile, Chase was the funniest guy pretending to be the director. So they were taking the cuts of Chase and pretending to be the director and sending them to the director to be reviewed. And that's the agents I know that have a sense of humor that were just enjoying harassing, harassing Chase because after, at, while Pitts was about to be arrested, they had to go in and tell chase that hey by the way your best friend's being arrested as a spy and all those jokes you've made for last year about the director louis free louis free personally listened to every single one of them and oh by the <laughs> way though oh by the way you're going to running with the director you know next week <laughs> you'll be seeing him i mean it, it, it the, because the, because they used to every class that would graduate would do a jog with the director with louis free yes he would with be louis there. you would know you would know louis free people i mean louis free would go to office people would call him by his first name I mean, I, I was always amazed at how that didn't happen with Mueller. Um, but the but the Bureau back with Free was apolitical. The politics yeah. were supporting the Bureau, funding the Bureau, and in the spying before, before Patriot Act wasn't as intrusive. Once you get to Mueller, now we're talking the Patriot Act comes in. The, there's a lot more, you know, a lot more ability for the government to get into your phones and monitor you. And then all of a sudden... Mueller only wanted people that were loyal to him. And loyalty for Mueller was two things. You had to put the Bureau absolutely 100% first, meaning if you had a family that was going to go and you had to um, travel, move multiple times. So if you look at a lot of the people that were Mueller, that were the Mueller, the Mueller disciples, mm -hmm. they all came up and they had, you know, they're all cheating with each other in, 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 in FDI headquarters. A lot of them had divorces three or four times. They were moving back field office field office to field office. So those yeah. people were moved up the ranks during Mueller. Then when Comey came, Comey brought something Mueller didn't. Comey brought religion. So Comey came and said, we're the most ethical people out there. I'm the most ethical person out there. We are. So we're so ethical, we don't even need to be having any oversight. And so all those people that came up with Mueller, all the sociopaths that came up on Mueller as they were now ADs and, and DADs, they now believe that they were so ethical it, that they couldn't do any wrong by the mere presence. And that's when things went nuts in the Bureau because it didn't matter. With Comey, the, the ethics was a matter, it was a, something that was personally endowed to you. It didn't matter what you were doing. And then all of a sudden, everything went haywire because of um, because you had these people who were just, some of them were terrible sociopaths who just who couldn't keep a family, didn't have anyone, any friends, were just life was the bureau and then comey believed it. they actually did you know that they called um that they called the um SESers and fbi headquarters the college of cardinals no that's disgusting <laughs> when i heard that i was blown away meaning Bill, have you ever heard that i did hear that yep <laughs> bill's just over there shell-shocked he's just uh disgusted on every Every time we do one of these things, we talk to somebody who's got the history on it. It just, I know it, uh, I know it bothers him. Um, I'm, I'm seriously curious. It sounds like 9-11 in some ways for the mission was probably 
the fatal blow or or has mortally wounded or significantly wounded the bureau with the intelligence capabilities it gave but your your belief is that also director Mueller was the maybe the the cultural wound that happened and they happened simultaneous to each other yeah. is that is that accurate Mueller 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 came in and he was you know Ray, Ray is being read, read, led around blind by his management I mean, yes. if you look at Ray, you you clear all he says. I'm very concerned about this. That's all he ever says. <laughs> well, he's very concerned. He's, he's very, very concerned. concerned. Can't do anything else. I'm very concerned about how I'm using the jet. You know that type of thing. And, 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 we're gonna we're gonna take this investigation very seriously. Very we're seriously. Gonna look, we're gonna look into that. We're very we're very we have a zero tolerance towards sexual harassment. Really? Well, how well, do what I, they have is they have a zero tolerance towards dealing with it. Is I think yes. If he said it just hey. right, he could he could actually get away with saying the truth, and it would be equally offensive if you were paying attention. Yeah. What do you what do you make of it? Uh, somebody referred to uh, I think it was his own words. He was saying, "I want to get out to the field offices and meet the you know the real men and women of the FBI, and I'm tired of the of the management bubble wrapping me, and you know keeping them away from me. So we're going to have a real town hall meeting, and the and the town hall meeting questions were." What's your favorite ice cream? That is not a that's not a joke. That's an actual question. And do people recognize you at the supermarket? And what's it like testifying in front of Congress? Like, is there a more insulated man in the federal government right now than Chris Ray? I know. I mean, it's it, it's really a shame. Louis, Louis Free was, if if to look at the near perfect director, I, Louis Free was. Um, I mean, he knew he knew every he knew every new agent that was coming in. He was, um, and, he, and he, he was, he always showed the fact, I mean, he, he went out of his way to care about people. What, what, what did Comey, Comey cared about having everybody go see what I think it was, um, the Holocaust Memorial and Louis free, Louis free made, he wasn't sending people anywhere. Louis free was going out to meet them. I'm, I'm amazed, I'm amazed at, um, at the, at the, the, the lack of, insight that ray that ray has and just from my clients that that, that you i mean i had one client who sent ray up uh, an email now ray is legally required to take protected disclosures for whistleblowers he took he took it he one age or one not age one um administrative officer number one non-age person in the field office sent a whistle protected disclosure to ray and two years later ray sent her an email saying thank you very much for <laughs> like who checks your two email years? two years two years who checks your email for two-year-old because no one thinks that ray checks his emails right no he's not checking his emails no but, well he's not living in dc he doesn't check his emails and he's not in charge of the fbi he said it the other day i think he let something slip in front of brett bear he said i have oversight for the fbi correct what do you think about that versus management or leadership would that he's make not, sense he's to not you the manager but he's the, he has oversight. Oh, HR, head of HRD runs, I mean, the HRD and security run the FBI. Right so Jennifer Moore is running the FBI. Yeah, you throw in... Um, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Just so you know, Kurt, that like that's literally the worst thing. Phil just made a face like someone just pooped right on him. It's just, that's that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I mean, I mean... Person, I mean she's a crazy person. I'm Look at who, who, uh, who was the other woman um, that was there before her? There was, there was another one who's not, who was... Um, Larissa Knapp, she's still there. She's in charge of National Security Branch. Okay, so we we, we want to have com competition on which the, one's better. They're the, they're both equally bad. Um, I think Larissa Knapp is slightly more competent, 
I think that Jennifer Moore is crazier, but she's worse because she's willing to do anything. She's, you know what I told people? I said, so if you're telling me that's who's running the FBI and I'm not going to disagree with you because that's been the experience that I got. Did you ever watch the movie Billy Madison? No. There's a guy, uh, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Okay. And he's like a, a moron. He's a trust fund kid. His dad is really wealthy and has a company. And his dad is like, you never earned anything in your whole life. I paid for, I, I paid to get you through every you know grade in school because you're an idiot and you can't take over my company because you've never done anything on your own. And he was like, give me a chance. I'm going to go back to high school. I'm going to go back to, to grade school all the way through high school. I'm going to graduate from every grade and I'll do it in three weeks. I'll meet all the competencies of each of the grades and I'll show you that I could be a responsible person. I'll earn it on my own. Okay. That's the story. It's a silly story. It's a comedy. And, and Billy Madison, Adam Sandler, it's one of his great movies. He goes back and he plays, he, you know, he, he's going to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and he learns how to do things. So he goes to kindergarten as like a 25 year old guy. And he sits there with a backwards baseball cap and he brings his lunchbox, whatever the teacher that teaches in that is like, they're all comedy routines, right? Like Chris Farley's in it and some others, Davis Bates in there, I think too. So the teacher is a woman named Miss Lippy, and he comes back in at recess because he's a grown up. <laughs> he's like a regular adult and he walks in and she's not maybe she's probably the same age. And she has got a bead necklace made out of macaroni around her neck that she's put on herself that nobody asked her to put on. She's wearing it and she's applying um, glue to her face from a stick, from a popsicle stick. And she's like eating the glue and like putting it on her face when no one's looking like a huge bucket of glue. That's who I associate with Jennifer Moore. When I think of like, who is Jennifer Moore? I think Miss Lippy from Billy Madison. And you just told me that woman is running the FBI. I've published her emails. I've published like 150 pages of emails from like a year and a half. They're insane. They're an insane person's writing. It's like a drunken mom's wine blog. And you just said that. There's no oversight. Look, She's running the know, FBI, though. Look, Come on. Look, look, look at the pri- let's look at the priority of agents. Look at let, let, who, what's more valuable to the FBI. Okay. An, okay. An agent that has between zero and ten years in, or an agent between ten and twenty years. Which one's more valuable to the FBI? I guess zero to ten. That's right. They don't talk back. They're right. Yeah. They'll do whatever the hell you want. The one from ten to twenty, they're going to actually tell you. They're going to actually tell you. Um, that you're making a mistake. Yeah, I, w- I will tell you that I was I was in um I was I, I was in a in a war Sorry, zone. I, w- I was in a war zone and I had I had four agents in 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 a combat in um in a well, forward operating base. And that forward mm-hmm. operating base was going to be over, was what they were worried about being overrun. And I had ordered those agents to stay there because everyone else had abandoned. So there were literally a, there was a company of U.S. soldiers and there was four FBI agents. I want to pull them out. And the, and the battalion commander said, if you pull them out, you will be, they will, the, the company will have no one else. There will be no presence. So you will be, you'll be the last people abandoning them. And I could use your four agents. So I called up the four agents and said, Hey guys, um, congratulations. We're not sending a helicopter to pick you up. We're leaving you there. I'm going to leave you there. And you are now the reaction team for that combat company. And you will fight for that base. Like you're part of the combat, that base. So these four agents, so uh, the battalion commander was on the phone with me and the four agents started telling me what a complete ass I was. And so they told me, you, they, they, get, they lit me up like there was no tomorrow. And they hung up the phone on me. And then the, the battalion commander looked at me and said, you know, that was quite insubordinate. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. They didn't say they weren't going to do it. All they told me was right. I was a complete ass and I was a jerk. And then they lit me up for that and told me what they thought of me. 
but not a single one of them told me that they weren't going to be. They were in that base for four days while it was under threat of being overrun. And they did a they did an outstanding job. But those are the guys that have 10 to 20 years on who are going to tell me that I'm that what I'm doing is a danger and a threat to them. And then they were and after I they tell me that, then I'm going to tell them, thank you very much. You're going to do they're going to do their job. They had a right to speak out. The Bureau doesn't want to hear people speaking out. The fact was, I was actually happy to hear that from them, right? That's what you want to hear from people about what I was doing to them. They understood the, the, the they understood the threat that was existed. The guys from zero to ten wouldn't have said anything, and they that would have just <laughs> that would have worried me more, right? Would that worry? Yeah, you if they were like, "Okay, great job, uh, yeah. thanks, <laughs> sounds good, boss." You'd be like, "Oh, I don't think you understood what I just said. I might be leaving you to die." Did you understand that part? No, I told them these guys told you they didn't like what you were what you were doing, and they were going to still do their job. Yeah, and they t- I told them when I told them to pick up, go get magazines and hand grenades and report to the company command, and you're going to be the reaction team. They, I got exactly what I wanted to hear, and they did a great job. And they had the right to tell me that I was putting their life in, je- in, in jeopardy, and they had families. And you know what? That was I, I deserve that because that's what I was doing to them. And they did, like I said, a phenomenal job. But the problem is the guys who had zero to 10 years wouldn't tell you anything. It's easier to control them. The, the guys who have 10 to 50, 20 years are going to do that job right. They're going to do the job right. They're going to make this, the three women a man. They're going, to, they're going to make that base safer and do the job. And they need to have adult supervision. The people that are, have zero to 10 years, they may not reply. They will be submissive. They will say yes. And they won't have the experience necessary to actually undertake the defense of a, of a military base during one of the major, um, the major Jaysh al-Mahdi attacks in, in, in theater. But the right. executives want to hear. They want. They they don't want the complaints. So they would prefer to have the people that have no complaint. The the, the valuable people are the ones who don't ever say anything's wrong. They're the people that. Uh, yeah, priorities are totally skewed. What do you think about this? I I got this from somebody that's at WFO. Apparently, so historically for the last two years, the FBI has been dragging people in from the field to go to Washington Field TDY temporary duty to work the January 6th cases for 90 days at a time. They're rotating it in to staff up and beef it up. They've just said that you're no longer going to uh, have mandatory deployments to DC for that. They are going to just staff it with 30 new agents coming directly out of Quantico. What does that make you think? The single best investigation for investigation. <laughs> the single most important, largest investigation. Yeah, in they're, they're, they're arresting another again. Do you, are those the people that you, I want to have the people that tell me I'm wrong. If I'm a boss that will tell me upfront, be straight with me rather than people will just, just okay. And then do the job because agents are about discretion. Agents have a lot of discretion and you want to have, I mean, the, here, here's a simple, the simple truth of, of, of any field off in the FBI is if you took the top three agents in the FBI, every single one of them can run that office better than the SEC. That's just the fact of life that the SEC, that the S, because the SECs go in for that last year, the special agent charge, and they're there to get a retirement job. So they're focused on the outside of the the of, of the office, and they're shaking hands and they're meeting people. But 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 a special agent who comes up, who takes charge of an office, and that has happened, where a special agent will be put in charge of an office. I've actually I've seen that. They'll just they're just gonna do the job, and they'll do it right. And, 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 and you have such depth of, of experience, but right now you have no cases going on in the FBI. January 6th is shut down just about everything. I mean, that's the one complaint I've heard across the board is that there is there are, there are no real, with the exception of crimes against children, 
there are no real investigations going on like there were five, even five years ago. I mean, every in, in the early 2000s, you could be sure the FBI was screwing things up. However, in New York, they would screw something up, but then they would arrest some mobsters and get on the front page of the New York Post to make up for it. So you would actually have, you'd hear some bad story about the FBI, but then there would be a big arrest of 30 people from mobsters or whoever it was, and they would or do the arrest and that would make up for it. When's the last time you actually seen any massive, real arrest, you know, charge like transnational organized crime case? And that's not because we don't have them. They're obviously out there. They're out there. They're just not being worked. I mean, they're not. They're not. If you look at, I mean, go go on Netflix and look under, look at any of the any of the wise guy um, the documentaries on taking down the mob, and you're going to see agents who were experienced. They were older now. They're retired. They're older, but they were experienced. But they were experienced back when they were agents, and they knew how to do it. They were technical experts. You don't have that anymore. You have no. people that are experts at Delta, experts at Centum. You don't have the which are know, software programs that the bureau uses to manage case files. Yes, because that's where that's where agents are. They're, they're, I mean, when I got into the when I got into the bureau, the, the the boss, my boss, told me that the place he didn't want to see me was at my desk. It actually got so absurd. It got so absurd that you they they actually Louis Free had people issue laptops, but you had people who would bring typewriters into Central Park to type the reports because their bosses told them you're not coming into the office. And they literally would have typewriters. They would, they did have typewriters in their car. They would have a laptop. They would do that paperwork and then they would take it and try to get uploaded somehow. But, but they were, but, but they wouldn't go into the office. And it, because the work is outside the office. Work is outside the office. Yeah. That, yes. And right now, where, where do you see it? you go into an office at, at nine in the morning, you're going to see the whole place packed with people and it's good. Yep. The cars are going to stay there packed in the driveway and in the parking lots because they don't have the, um, the experience to get out there and do the work that they have to. That's a shame because, because they're going to have their, their, the bureaus not having the, the big cases that you saw from, in, you know, two decades, a decade ago, two decades ago, and they won't have them. No. Who's going to teach them? Yeah, no, that's the, that thing that institutional knowledge drop. It, it's it's incredibly uh, probably damaging. So I want to I want to put you on the spot with maybe a what king for a day director for a year. What would you do? But then pivot to the reality of it. What's a pragmatic approach that we could actually hope for? Give me the king for a day first. What you would do? How you would change things up? National security has to be has to be taken away from the FBI and put into a separate agency. The what FBI. is the scope? Of, what What is the scope of national security going to involve? Counterterrorism, counter counterterrorism, counterintelligence. That both of be, those. Both of those have to be moved because right now, I don't know of anybody in the FBI who actually trusts the, the director and and any executives to actually be good with any of the the secret telephone stuff or any of the the, the, the whiz bang FISA stuff that would be that would actually treat it properly. And I think that's I mean that, that's a that's a joke in the FBI. Um, the bureau has had multiple um, assessments where they have found, been found to have not handled the the the, the scoping of their uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act um, collection properly. And mm-hmm. you want I mean the, the here's a simple fact: the FBI is the most powerful law enforcement agency in the known universe. There's not there is no agency that's more powerful. There's it has 
it has reach across countries. It has reach in every department because we have task force officers. Right. And, and, and you would think with that, um, you would have all these great cases and you don't have them. What you have. How, how goofy are we that you and I decided to pick fights with them on a regular basis? We're idiots. <laughs> I know that. I mean, that's, you why, know, that's why I like you, Kurt. I mean, no, I, that's what, tell, don't tell. If someone told me about, I, I did, I had this conversation a week ago with someone called me up. What do I do with them? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm reported. You know, you're getting slammed. Your career is over. Why are you reporting that? Why are you going to report that? Here's what it is. You're getting retaliated against. Mm-hmm. That's simple. But you understand it's it's about it's about violence against children. Let me explain this to you. If you report that, I will tell you legally, you have to look if you're a mandatory reporter and you have to do what's against the law. But I will promise you that if you report that, you are going to be targeted. That's the simple. This is this is not an issue with me because I already know how I chose on this one. I already had to make this decision and I, and I, and I chose and I suffered the consequences just like you did when you had. And so, but, but sometimes you have to, those people have to know the realities of if you report misconduct and they don't, and and they don't want to hear about it, they're either going to do nothing, which is going to turn around and bite them in the end, or they're going to go, or they're going to shoot the messenger. Right. And you always shoot the messenger. People say, don't shoot. You always shoot the messenger. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because that's what messengers are for. You only send messengers that you want shot. That's why. Correct. So, <laughs> so they're going to shoot. They're, such they're a cynical, this is such a cynical take on the world, but I do appreciate that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refocus it back on there because we're going to get too far afield. You're, you'd get rid of the national security mission. You'd get uh, counterintelligence. You'd get counterterrorism. You'd move them away from the Bureau. Would you move it to another law enforcement agency that does just that or no law enforcement? No law enforcement powers. They have to go. Okay. They have to, they, here's the deal. They, they have, if they, if they have law enforcement, they, they would either have to go to, I mean, they, they would have that Nash, that would be intelligence agency. And then they would have to go to the preeminent law enforcement agency in the country to, to actually effectuate an, an arrest. And how much could they share? Well, they would have to share whatever they have to, to HSI, so HSI can do the arrest. Got it. You just got Phil going. Not, okay. The bureau's not doing the arrest. Look at HSI is doing all. HSI is doing a lot. More I love that you love HSI. I don't really have enough no. uh, knowledge of HSI. The guys I met there were always pretty decent, they're so awesome. that's cool. Oh, no, yeah, I got no, but, I got no but, beef with them. I, I, no, I it's not about beef. I think that the national that national security should be able to select which agency they want to go to, which law enforcement. They want to go to even forget about whether it's HSI, whether it's the Bureau, to effectuate, whether it's the U.S. Navy's own their their own um, NCIS to effectuate whatever arrest. Sure, doing. if it's if it's a Navy troop, you go after somebody in the Navy, you go get NCIS. Sure, that makes sense. All right, so yes. we pulled this, we pulled that piece off. What are we going to do to fix the culture of the Bureau? You got all the resources. Anything you want to do? What would it look like? Well, I just they're just neutered right now because they don't have the they don't have the FISA capabilities. So they can just sit there and be there. I mean, they're a self-licking ice cream clone, right? They're just gonna they're just gonna keep they're gonna build a bigger headquarters, they're gonna high five each other in the hallways of the new headquarters. You're gonna fix them? I mean, uh, you know, if, if I don't I don't want I don't I don't want to brag. If you put 20 people in up right now who've who've tried to affect who who've tried to affect change in the bureau, I would hope that I'm cl- close to being in that 20. That I've, that I've tried to help people out and had an impact. I mean, I had, I tell people all the time, they'll ask me, I want to, I want an apology from the Bureau. And they'll say, I tell people, the Bureau will never apologize to you. 
And then right. people call me back and say, hey, whoa, 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 you lied to me. I'm like, why is that? And he goes, well, Comey came and apologized to the New Haven office for you. I'm like, he did. But he'll never do that again. <laughs> right. No, I, got him to, I got him to retract a Intel document and said that they meet their exacting standards. Did you get an apology? No, there's no apologies. No apologies. I mean, that's the one apology they gave was they gave to me. And then they didn't even invite me to it when they gave it. Well, so, that makes sense. Yeah, because it wasn't really for you. It was performative. It was all theater. It's not about reality. They weren't trying to tell you they were sorry. They were trying to just say, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what. Here's here's the way it is, Kurt. I have a buddy. And uh, when we went to middle school together, high school together. He introduced my wife to me. And he's real sneaky. He's one of these guys that like he he thinks about the words, exactly the right words that he can use in a in a very clever way. And so I would do something and and then he would do something that would that would be wrong, right? Like he ate my ice cream, let's say, or he uh, took my lunch and and he ate my sandwich and then put my lunch back. And I'd get out there and I'd go, dude, you you ate my sandwich. And he would look at me and he would match me for tone. And with anger, he would yell, I said, I'm sorry. Now, he never said he was sorry. He just claimed that he had already said it. And I'd be like, oh, and now I'm on my back feet. That's what the, that's what they did to you. They they said they're sorry. You know, they said they're sorry. It just wasn't to you. And they actually just claimed that they said they were sorry. They didn't actually say they were sorry. He said, no, no, he, said he, he said he was sorry. It just didn't work out well. <laughs> he said for the wrong person. But they don't yeah. But there, there's no apology. I mean, the, the fact is, the bureau, you 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 have a culture. You're gonna have to change. You have a, the head of HRD and the head of SECD or run the bureau. And Miss Lippy, until you get them, I mean, and they're gonna be there for a while. And you have people that have already been trained by them to take their jobs. You, mm -hmm. how, how you change? How you change in the bureau? You're not. I mean, I'm amazed. Can, you, can, you, can we cut them off? Let's say, okay, let's say that uh, President Trump gets reelected or someone with similar sensibilities and they pass the schedule, schedule G employment where they can move SESers onto a thing that the executive branch can terminate um, unilaterally. Would that, would that be a tool that could be used to clean the bureau up or would you just, would it just be a, a slot? No, I, I would never, the, the pro, if, if I get this all the time is, well, how come we can't just fire them? I'm saying if they could, if you, them, they could fire you, the employee, and they would just fire people left and right, which they're doing. If you give right. the ability to terminate, they're going to use that power and just terminate people. And they're trying to. This do is that only right. for SESers. This is only for SESers to be able to, to do that. That's the way Schedule G is written, the way that I saw it. Yeah. yeah. It, there's no accountability. They're not firing each other. No. I mean, it, there's the, the best thing that could have happened for the country. Was after and, and again, I remember. I'm you, as you said, I'm the liberal. I'm liberal. I, there, there's no doubt about it. My wife is conservative. I'm liberal. And I, if people are asking what what would have helped the country. I'm said the best thing that would have helped the country is if Trump pardoned everyone who was at that January sixth rally. If he pardoned everyone there, and they're like, well, you know, but this, I like look at then we would we would have missed two thousand cases that never had to be done. Two thousand trespassing cases. I mean, you right. have the bureau now does trespass. You know, trespassing is a misdemeanor, I right? Mean, in, in in the idea that they're opening up, they they have decided that they're going to open up, make, turn each of those people into potential terrorists. So they've identified all two thousand people as terrorists. Back when back in the day when I was young, we like called Osama bin Laden a terrorist. Now I'm looking at all like, who who are these terrorists? Yeah, yeah exactly. In, in, in thousands of them. And, and, and then, the, I mean, what was the, 
it used to be we would, I mean, this, and this is my foolishness because it was just me. If I had a case where I would open up a, I, I, I worked in terrorism cases. I'd open up a terrorism case. I'd put like three subjects in it. Three. Yeah. You can't do that now. You now you got to have one. individuals. That's right. So it looks like because three, they're all doing the same thing. So it was easier to administratively just have one case rather than filing things all the way around. But now everyone. So now it looks like we have three times the amount of terrorists because I have to open up three separate files. Right. Domestic terrorism. It looks like it's going out of hand. But funny, I haven't I haven't seen seen all these terrorists running around, ambushing cars on the road, setting up roadblocks, military takeover of the state. I haven't seen anything like that. No, but, but the FBI terrorists. claimed that last year that they got 397 CT disruptions. So they did 397 terrorist plot disruptions. We stayed um, right? What's that? Those are the ones where we actually had the aid. I always love the agent down, the agent down in, in um in Dallas, that one, they're going to blow up the building and the guy's pushing the lever and trying to blow the building up. Meanwhile, the guy next to him is, is the FBI agent. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, mean, I got a, I got this meme. It's a picture of an FBI. You know, it's the back of a guy wearing a ray jacket, right? He's got the windbreaker on. He's got his pistol out and he's and he's pointing it down range. And it says when the FBI finally figures out who's causing all the terrorism in this country and he's pointing the gun at the J. Edgar Hoover building. And that's like there's nothing truer than that. That's really upsetting because I I get that and I was like that that hits a little bit too close to home when you've worked in FCT cases. When when I when I was in New York, the last terrorism case I had, the 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 individual was trying to send night vision goggles over to the Taliban. Okay. I define that as real terrorism support, the, the material support. Yeah, that's materials that would actually support the ability to do terrorism, right? Yes, that and also counter proliferation issues. That's a CI thing too, I think. But also, yeah, yeah, but but that, you know, if you once slap them on um, an AK or an AR or M, an M4, boom, that's like that 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 matters. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're like, well, you know, they said bad things about the school board. <laughs> you're like, I mean, I don't even know how some of the I I I, I honestly don't know how you do that case. I, Neither do they. That's the fun part. They just threat tag it. They open it up under an intel investigation. They classify it secret, no foreign, so nobody ever looks at it. So the disclosure never happens. It's not like that person's ever going to see the case file. Well, I mean, that's isn't that? I know that's the crazy part. And you're in your report. You're reporting again. There are there are people that are sitting there tonight who are saying we want to destroy the U.S. There are clearly people who are doing that. If yeah. You have, if you have cases opened up against a bunch. of to nonsensical cases opened up against people that aren't a threat, that clearly aren't a threat. You're taking all the valuable resources you have of the, the pool of investigators to actually do real cases, and you now have shifted them over to play with nonsense. And that's the, the opportunity cost is, is that you are not going to be, you're opening us up to whatever the real thing is. And there are not a lot of them, but there's a couple of them out there for sure. I had, I had, a, I had, um, I had a, wasn't an, wasn't an FBI employee. It was a person who talked to an FBI employee and they were talking about China. And the, and the comment was, it was amazing to hear about China. And basically the FBI executive said, we've already lost. And you're That's like, not good. You're like, what? What? You, I mean, you know, but they, they have, they have police stations. China has police stations in the U.S. or they had police stations. No. You, if you, they, the China, once you understand what that threat looks like, you're going to understand that that threat has a chain of command. It has communication. You can disrupt everything in there. It's not this boogeyman.
Nope. The fact that some some executive would get up in front of a pe- bunch of people that aren't in the FBI and say, we already lost, is the scariest thing I could possibly hear. Well, they did lose because they they stopped fighting it. You know, that's the other thing. They're doing illogical and nonsensical things, using guys like me to do some things that don't make sense, um, and allowing... Shouldn't we be rounding up those uh, those police stations that are out there? This is like Operation Fox Hunt's been going on for a while. It goes back before my, it goes back twenty fifteen maybe or maybe a little bit earlier. It's like it, it's it's ongoing. So stop it. Well, that well, that's what. But the, 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 those police stations are monitoring U.S. sets. You would think you yeah. think, you, th- you think that would be forget about knowing what once you arrest everybody they're going to cooperate. They, they're they're going to cooperate. If I mean it, you know it's it's funny how. It's funny how they're going to hit. Um, they hit General Flynn with being an agent of a foreign power. Right. right? That was he forgot to register. I wonder yeah, how. Many of those, I wonder how many of those Chinese police officers registered as an agent of a, of a, of a, of, a, of a foreign power. The one. <laughs> the ones it's, that they it's all about to, priority. I you're like how could they not just like they should they should have dragged in all fifty of them every every cop. Every person that worked in those, in those police departments should have been handcuffed and dragged in. And hey, maybe only one or two of them are going to cooperate, but somebody's going to cooperate. Somebody they should. Going to. So they're dragging in what people that were trespassing. Not that trespassing is bad. I can. If, I hope the police come and would arrest whoever trespasses on my property. But but not the FBI. Not the FBI. Not the FBI. I mean, I'm sorry. You call the, you call the local police. They're, they're they're good for it. But you know, but why didn't they have that big arrest? Did they let everyone go? Everyone was an agent of a foreign power. All of them should have been arrested on the same thing. They got General Flynn, and I'm not General Flynn. I've, I've, I've vaguely followed his case, but you know, they used to joke about you could always get somebody for that charge. Yeah, one thousand, and that was it was fair and one thousand one were the two. No, 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 no. It was, it was well, you have to register if you're if you if you're if you're working for a foreign government. Yeah, that's fair. That's the foreign alien or yeah. foreign agent registration act. I, you know what? Did I tell you I went down there to the office and I talked to the attorneys at GOJ that handle Farah, and I asked him. I said point blank. I said, look, we got a guy. I think he's a good candidate for this. So what happens if we want to bring him up on these charges? And he goes, well, we we send him a very sternly written letter. And we mail it to him, certified mail. And I said, oh, that's good. And then what? And he goes, well, if he doesn't register, then in 90 days, we sent him another letter. And I was like, are we getting somewhere with this? What's going to happen next? And he goes, uh, if he throws that mail in the trash, the third letter will be at least as sternly worded as the first two, maybe more. And that's it. That's all the teeth they had until very recently. That was in 2017 or 2018 that I was told that. And we've moved into the realm where Nope, we're going to go after people for that. We're going to go and hook them up on the way to the airport. We're going to hook them up at their house. We're going to arrest them. And but only, uh, so, only, but only those are they all seem to be political. The hips, they're all, yeah, they all seem to be political. That's now, I mean, they're, they're not going after the Chinese, all the people that worked at the Chinese police. No, that would be like a legit criminal thing to do. That why yeah. would you do that? Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that that's where it gets. But it would be fun to watch. You know. Fifty or hundred people come in from the Chinese police departments, all dragged into court and get and get hit with that one after the that'd other. Be, that'd be the thing that nobody would be mad about the FBI doing the FBI's job, but that's not yeah. what it's doing. Do we have any hope that there's uh, anything that's going to change? You got any uh, sense, any inkling that uh, there's something that can actually be done that not your king for a day version? Because I don't think they're going to get rid of the domestic intel. I don't think they're going to take away the national security mission. Unfortunately, I tell everyone about hope. 
Hope is the last great, it was the last thing left in Pandora's box. Was it Pandora's box, the, the mm-hmm. last evil of the world? There's, there's no hope. That's good. I'll let people start their week with this. <laughs> I mean, the, you, because you have to, you have to have a, a understanding of what that what the mission is. Yeah. And, and they don't. And I don't disagree with you, by the way. I just was curious if you had any uh, silver lining to any of this. No, no, that that's. I mean, the best thing that happens is that that the agents that. The, I mean, I think the best thing that's happening in the bureau is the fact that a lot of, of a lot of people in the bureau realize that they don't have to stay, that that, that, that it's not used to be. It was you're, you're there for life, and a lot of them decide, eh, you know, it's it's okay as a job, but I'll move on. That that's a that's a different psychology, you know, that that it was even five years ago. The bureau okay. has lost the thing. I'll stay forever. Now people will leave, and that makes the, that makes the bureau a, a different place because people can find a good job somewhere else, and they know it. So that that's what's going to happen. That has happened, right? And and that's going to cut off some of the uh, the power that that agency had, either over the employees, but also just over its longevity. I think then, huh? How many? I mean, how many people? When I nobody left the bureau. Yeah. No, now people don't care. I mean, they sit at their desk. They don't even know. I mean, the idea that you sit at your desk, they give you a bu car, and they. they they gave you a bu car for a reason. They gave you a gun for a reason. And they, they go out and do something. And if the be- best you can do is sit at your desk and type papers, you're not doing anything. The no, paper, you can go the, in grad school. Yeah, paperwork's important, but but the the cases they're just not there, and they're not going to be there. So Fair I, enough. I want the employee. I want the, the employees when they ask me what should I do. I, I think it's a matter of you have to assess whether you want to be in the organization, whether it's that important to you. Because because a lot of people are looking and going, why do I want to be in an organization that will target me if I if I just report misconduct? So I have to really say, hey, yeah. thank you for telling me that, and just ignore it. That if they if the bureau just did that, it'd be okay. Oh wow, thank you for telling me about that that sexual harassment, and then no one does anything. That no, be- now they come and crush you. You crush. You. <laughs> so what, a, what an awful what an awful group. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it on this because that's uh that's an awful lot of information and no hope at the end of it is is equally uh, depressing. But I'm glad we started this off with a good laugh, Kurt. I always very much enjoy chatting with you. Your sense of humor makes this uh, terrible message more palatable. What um can people follow you on any social media? Are you doing anything like that? Or are you just hiding away and making machine guns up there? What are you doing? I, I, no, I'm, I'm I'm working. I do I do cybersecurity law. If employees yep. if they have problems, they usually find my phone number and call me up. And they can employees call me up and they can call get my phone number and call me up. I hand I, I the only the only cases the clients I handle in that issue um, are are actually FBI. So, so people, we got, and we got bureau listeners. I, I keep finding out yeah. more and more of them listen to this show. So if you got people in the bureau, they got something they saw wrong and they want to hear the bad news about how bad it's going to get, they can reach out and, and find you at suzdaclaw.com. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and, you, you know, and you'll find, you, I'll, I'll give you some good hope. Yes. But yeah. Just like you did here, or they could just listen to this podcast and then know that they should either just find another job or they should just suck it up. <laughs> That's all there is. Yeah. You're a mandatory reporter, so I can't tell you what not to report. That's right. As an attorney, you must advise you what's going to happen to you. Absolutely this- brutal. Absolutely <laughs> brutal, but uh, very fun as well. Folks, you have been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. And if you liked what you heard here, we do this every Monday. We talk to somebody. Sometimes there's hope, but sometimes, what do they say in uh, at Quantico? Sometimes there's justice, but sometimes it's just us. Uh, in this case, I think it's just us. 
So if you liked what you had to hear, uh, by all means, subscribe. You can hit the subscribe button on Rumble for the video. You can do it on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to our show. Um, if you're not hearing us on, I think there's Player FM and Alexa and all the other wild things you could do. I've expanded this thing out. There's like 15 places you can hear us. So by all means, share the show if you liked it. Share it with a friend. Let them know that we're there. Keep growing this audience. And we do appreciate that and give people access to firsthand information, including depressing information like from Kurt Sue's back here today telling us that the, there is no hope for the FBI. We always appreciate your feedback and we'd love it if you'd give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which does actually keep going. There's a link in the show notes and I bet you Phil's got one of those queued up to read for us right now. Yep, I sure do. We got one here from Jarhead Hoosier who wrote Alpha Luna interview, a fascinating and compelling interview between two great Americans. Please keep sharing the truth. Semper Fi. Kyle also want to give a shout out to the Give, Send, Go a $100 donation from an anonymous donor who wrote, thank you for your courage and honesty. I applaud your efforts and hope you continue. I'll be following you every day. And final reminder to go check out Patriot Coolers. I just ordered a tumbler and uh, it got shipped the very next day and it's on the way. I can't wait to uh, see it. You're going to like it too. I got one in OD Green, which is, um, and that's what I've been rolling with today. Also, I got to show you this. They sent me one of these to use. This is what I actually brought my lunch out to the Man Cave trailer. This is pretty legit. Patriot Cooler Soft Pack. Pretty big fan of these things. These are super useful, especially if you're on surveillance. I got uh, a, a cop in Maryland who's going to send me a picture of his. Folks, if you actually do order some of the stuff from Patriot Cooler, and we hope you do, then uh, take a picture of it, send it. You can tag me on any of the social media, on Truth or on Twitter, and um, we'll throw it into our next little promo because I'd love to have some more photos of, of other neat things out there. Uh, you have been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.